0: Gaming NBS episode 314 being recorded Monday, October 12th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS Tabletop RPG Podcast. I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's here. Sean, how the hell are you, man? I'm all right, Brett. How are you, buddy? Not too bad. Not too bad. No? Hunting season's been slow. It's been rough for me. Hunting season. It's been rough. A bad uh, shot over the back of one. What's that? (laughs) A shot right over the back of one the other day. Did ya? Yeah. Phew. I'm like, oh, he's 30 yards, 30-yard 30 pin, twang, goes right over his back. And it walks away like, huh, what the fuck was that anyway? Because it's not a gun, obviously. It doesn't go kabang. It just wanders off. I'm like, God damn it! pull out my rangefinder, click, uh, 24 yards, 6-yard difference, big deal. Yeah, then nothing monster comes through like massive eight point huge 30 goddamn, pointer gigantic goddamn 30
0: ear. pointer must have been
1: yeah had does it stay in the thickest shit too and it was like getting dark couldn't shoot him but it was really cool to see so it was really he's about 45 yards out that's pretty cool let's see so we're gonna tie this crap.
0: into role-playing by saying brett is yeah. a ranger
1: yeah, exactly right now, i'm ranger. a terrible i'm a terrible ranger at he's this point warping
0: as a ranger <laughs>
1: And no, and uh, <laughs> no one that no one back at camp is eating. I have failed my role, and uh, we're just stuck on trail rats. That's where we're at. Sean, did you get any gaming in? Let's go into something like that. What'd you do?
0: I played in Hobbs's little fantasy uh, gaming uh, campaign. Me and two other folks. How'd it go? Hawkster and Aaron. Uh, TPK. Really? TPK. Yeah. TPK, man.
1: Man, you guys just didn't know how to play, <laughs> did you?
0: We got kicked our ass kicked by an owl bear.
1: One owl bear?
0: One owlbear. Sucker had like forty hit points, man. He did like I think I had nine. I think I had nine hit points.
1: You guys don't he believe did. in ranged weapons or tactics or anything? I did,
0: man. We we lured him out of the cave. I had my bow ready.
1: All right, so oh, hang on. You purposely engaged a large woodland animal when you were like Z level. First level. Okay. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. You're like, oh I know what we'll do. We'll go and rage this big animal. And poke it with things. Oh, no, it killed us. It was oh, that was our mission. Oh, that was, was your our, mission? Okay, all right. That's a little They sent better.
0: us out in the woods to kill Big Beak. It's called. He was called Big Beak. Big Okay. I think Big Beak. All right. Yeah, man. They He downed one of the guys, and then I poked him a few times, but we were pretty terrible with trying to hit him, and, and so he—
1: The I was. dice were, were falling poor.
0: I was like the last one, and I thought, well, I could maybe run away. And Little Fantasy Gaming has a party retreat option or a rescue, Correct. right? Yep. And yep. yeah, we just like said F it, man, and didn't go well. <laughs> so yeah, uh that was that was then. This is now. I, I played my, we uh, ran oh, out to Green on Thursday. Oh, did you? How'd that go? Good. I'm hoping these I'm hoping to wrap these guys up maybe in the next one, the next session. So we'll see. Depends on what they want to do. Sweet. So well, go ahead, Brett. What were you gonna say? What were no, you doing? no, I, I you forgot
1: you had that. I forgot you had that one going too. Um, I finished up my Streets of Avalon campaign with my home group. Set it aside. They fought the. They fought a Morkoth, which was a. Uh, it, it was this horrible. Oh, if anybody knows what a Morkoth is, it's a. Uh, it's from first edition AD&D. Then they've translated it through a bunch of different times into different variations. But it's this nasty underwater critter. And what I did was I. Tweaked it so that their, um, so the Kuatoa turned them heavier into the Deep Ones component, where they were transforming people and stuff. So there were Kuatoa that were worshiping this Morcloth as a god, and then they called it up out of the depths, and uh, it was a big brawl on the uh, docks of Avalon, and a lot of people got th- a lot of people got their everliving shit kicked out of it. It was tough because it was rebounding spells, and they tried to do crazy things to it, couldn't cut through its, you know, toughness and whatnot, but uh, they played smart. They they figured it out at the tail end of it. Uh, Lenny's character became a full vampire. That finally the transformation occurred, and it kind of settled into the two clerical characters are like, so yeah, you can be undead, but just watch your ass. You know, you, you've been good, so just don't don't go bleeding the neighborhood dry, you prick. Um, and then he'll let him go. <laughs> so it's gonna. When we bring it back, it could get kind of sketchy. I don't know what will happen. So, But it was a really good end. Really good end to the campaign. The guys had a lot of fun with it. So that was pretty cool. Sweet. That was about it. I was supposed to, uh, the two young ones, and I was supposed to do some Middle Earth this last weekend. But then my one of my older daughters ran and came home to visit. So they wanted to hang out with their sister. I'm like, well, yeah, of course. She didn't want a game. This time she likes playing uh, D&D and stuff. With me, but this time they, well, I played Goofy. So that's what they did, which was fine. But that was about it, man. Not much else. Well, there you go. Um, let's see. Announcement-wise, we had Virtual Game con coming. Talked about that plenty. Let's see here. Anything um, new and improved announcement-wise from you? Oh, I should call out the fact that I did finally go to my basement, which is not that goddamn far away. I mean, I'm here all the time at the house. And I found my stash of uh, Gaming BS Pine Glasses, what I have left. So uh-huh. I'm pulling them up so I can find out how many I have a couple folks have expressed interest saying, hey, Brett, could I get a hold of one? And I'm like, I think I still have some. And I do. I do indeed have quite a few of them. So Sweet. I just got to get them up and uh, get with Sean and figure out how we want to sell those and get them to pe- into people's hands. So we'll do that. But that's about it, man. Shall we just let's just random encounter. We got a ton of this stuff here this week. So random encounter. I think fair warning. We got a lot of random encounter. It could... Uh, across the portal here we might be might be stuck in this for a whole show we'll see what happens well maybe we'll see we'll see there's some good stuff so i'll let you start it off man feedback
0: so there's three under this one this is all straight from the forums idaho gamer starts with so this feedback on changing how you game master which is my last episode about figuring out how to do things better i guess
1: sean's turning on the couch
0: I know a gamer. Great episode, gentlemen. I enjoyed hearing the ideas on how to change, update, or improve your GMing style. As I listened, I wondered if playing in games as a player and not, the GM helps you add to your style. Yeah. As a newbie, I have been trying to play in as many games as I can, so I understand the systems I want to game master better. and At the same time, logging away the techniques the GM is using to see if it would fit the style I'm trying to form. I just received... The Hidden Acropolis by Dolbert, and look forward to running this and trying some new jamming styles. I want to try. Uh, one other point I really found refreshing for this episode is you both have many years of jamming under your belt and you are open to change if you need or want to, for me, this helps me to remember it is okay to change that. You are doing if change what you are doing, if it's not working for you, thanks for your dedication and keep up the great
1: content, Mike. I'll tell you, man. I think you're. I think you're dead on there. I think after I started playing more, my GMing style got better. I was like hardcore game master, game master, game master, game master. All I did for a very long time. I started gaming more. Actually, Sean, running a couple things for me, and then I'm like, wow, I really got a taste for that. And then the guys in my my home gaming group started, oh, yeah, hey, I'm going to run a game. You want to play? Sure, fuck it, I'll play. And um, I'm really enjoying playing. And I think by doing that, sometimes. I have been with uh, as a player, um, and not with Sean, and not with the guys that I that I game with usually. But every once in a while, somebody as a game master will do something. I'm like, oh god, I hate that, or wow, ooh, that's brilliant, ooh, I love what they just did. And some, and what I do when I see something like, oh, I don't like that, god, that's boring, lame, something in my head of think negative thought. But I look at the table. Is everybody else enjoying it? Oh, huh, they are. That's just me. Huh? That's just that isn't that doesn't work for Brett. But wow, the other four, or five dudes at the table, we're all having a good time. All right then, cool. I'll let it go. You know, don't make a big deal out of it. And uh, when I do see cool stuff, I'm like wow, that's really cool. What I'm trying to do now as a player is call out the fact to the game master that sir or madam is fucking cool. That was awesome. I really liked this part, that part, just to help prop that person up because I don't know necessarily if they were trying something new or different. I want to tell them what they did. Really worked. Do you agree with that, Sean? The whole uh, playing helps you. Oh yeah,
0: for sure. I think so. I just, it gives perspective, and I think um, you have you you have a better you have empathy for the game master. Yeah, not sympathy. No, I yeah. empathy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Want to make sure somebody didn't think I used the wrong word on that one.
1: Yes, yes which I've yes, been known yes. to do. Yeah, I'm not sympathetic to their plight. When everything's no. going to shit on them, I'm like ah, I've been there. You have shared sympathy with me? No, not really. No, it's kind of fun to watch someone else squirm.
0: But yeah, I think it's you know, as a as a player, it's a lot different. And you as being a game master, and then flipping to a player and sitting at a table, whether it's at a con or some like a friend of yours that's taken over the GM chair, you know, you know what annoy can be annoying as hell you know and so it's to <laughs> keep conscious of that and not do those things so oh you want us to go there and that's kind of the mission sounds good
1: yeah like i'm all in i'm Great. not gonna i'm not gonna buck this just to buck it and be a jerk i'm going to go with it yeah obviously yeah <laughs> like oh i'm going to talk for 3
0: hours myself and not worry about anybody else at the table yeah, maybe I won't I'll do probably, that. This I'll time. probably like in, try to include other people as a player. There you go. There you go.
1: There you go. That's good stuff, Mike. Thank you, man. Um, I may even oh, pick yeah? a
0: weird class that, like, a, a weird race that doesn't fit anything. I want to be pro-
1: half. What? What's that robot one from uh, Sharn and stuff? What's that one? What is that? The oh, metal Warforged. B- yeah, I want to be half Warforged, half lizard <laughs> man. Yeah, I want to be a cyborg. Can yeah, I that's do a good that? One. Can I do, do that? that? Sure. Master of Disguise Cyborg. Sure. Yeah, so you can't tell him the cyborg, unless I want you to. <laughs> All right, thanks, Mike. Gabe wrote as well, uh, I really appreciate those times when I'm a gamer because it gives me a chance to remember what it feels like to be on that end of the table. Um, as Mike mentioned, learning from the strengths of the other DMs, and I, and I try that. I also learn from GM weaknesses. When, as a player, I sometimes feel that GM is being intentionally ambiguous with holding game information or generally uh, straightjacketing my character, I get to reflect: Do I do that, or do anything that might similarly feel like that? I also get to experience what it feels like to get attached to a character and the tension resulting from threats to that character and/or disappointment when that character dies or fails. Then I choose to get over it and play as an example to the GM, who often is a player in my games. Hey, look, I'm past it. Move on. That's a good idea, Gabe. In fact, I hope soon to play in a game in which a player of mine is GMing. I'm going to try to model what I want in a player. I wonder how well it will work this other way if my GM can recognize how I play and maybe apply some of that practice to his own. I'll be playing alongside another player in my game as well so he can witness my example. I like that, man. There's something pretty cool about, you know, setting what Gabe's doing there, saying, look, I want to be a good example. I want to be a good player. I'm going to make sure I'm doing this stuff. And... We, you know, like Mike said above. Um, do I do that? Oh crap! I don't like that thing. I don't like it when that happened to me. I bet I should probably stop doing that to people. I have seen my players in the in the past when they're running something, they'll do they'll do a trick or a GM thing back. I'm like, oh, I do that. Yeah, I'm glad I don't. I I I think I may have overused that last time because this is annoying. It's challenging, but it's annoying. I don't think I could take three of these in a row. And I think I've done three in a row before. I should never have done that. Oh my god, that was a bad <laughs> idea. You know. Like, wow. So, yeah, that's, that's self-aware at the table, man. That's good stuff. Thanks, Gabe. I like that. That was a good one.
0: Isaiah, I could definitely appreciate learning from GM weaknesses. As Gabe mentioned, one person I've been gaming with my whole life is always in charge. Hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> whether they are running a game or playing, so I always make sure to involve the whole table in decisions. I know people have learned from my mistakes, and the feedback they have given me has improved my approach. I think specifically about my old habit of stringing along a homebrew campaign without a proper endpoint until it would end due to scheduling conflicts or loss of interest. My brothers called me called my games Shaggy Dog Stories, so I learned to tighten uh, things up and have a game that comes to a conclusion. Mission accomplished. Characters retired. Everyone going out in a blaze of glory. Whatever.
1: You know, Isaiah, that was one of the pieces I had to do when I started running, uh, stopped running and started playing more as a player to not be in charge. I have realized that sometimes as the player on the other side of the screen, I can take over the table just by speaking in a GM or authoritative voice. Sometimes you can get people to like, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're in charge, blah, blah, blah. And not everybody wants to challenge you and say, no, Brett, shut the fuck up. (laughs) That's not what we're doing. Especially if they're friends of yours, sometimes like, well, okay, I guess, and they're trying to be nice about it. Eventually, someone at my table goes, "Brett, you're not the goddamn game master. Shut the fuck up." I've been told that specifically. I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah I shouldn't do that," which I which I take fairly well because it's you know it's not a good not a good thing to do. But uh, yeah, that was a weakness I had. I think I've gotten a lot better since I've been playing more. But that was a that was a tough one for me. John, anything else on that one? No. All right. Shall we on then? Yes. Let's see here. Jim Fitzpatrick on running for money and GMing on the fly. Woo. All right, Jim, let's see which lay of the wisdom on us. Catching up with some back episode, and he had a few ideas. The first one was about running on the fly. And, of course, I made a list in my head of what I feel comfortable running on the fly and why. For a lot of thinking, I came up with four things you need to run a session. Plot, setting, materials, system. Most of these definitions are pretty clear, but by materials, I mean whether you need maps, minis, fancy dice, etc. I also started thinking about time, and I think on the fly means an hour or less. When I'm running on the fly, I want as many of our four elements as possible to stay out of my way. If you give me overnight prep, overnight two prep, I can run a ton of different systems and genres and get all four elements ready to go. But if I have an hour, I'm going to start cutting corners in some of those areas. For example... I can refresh myself on the basics of the black hack in about an hour. But you're going to get a canned plot for playing Five E in Theater of the Mind. I know the system. I know the system cold, and we don't need fancy materials, so you get a better plot and setting. The needs of the game dictate how I would use the limited prep time. If I somehow find myself running a Uh, a group of RPG newbies through a game with no notice, I pull out Dungeon World. I know the system. Some basic plot setting and a character bonds emerging during character creation with no fancy materials necessary. Most of the four elements are taken care of at that point, so I feel like I could spin up a passable Dungeon World game in like 10 minutes. A lot of that is experience, but I feel like most GMs can, can get to the point where they can run at least something in 10 to 15 minutes if they play long enough and are exposed to enough stuff. As for the running for money, it feels so wrong to me. The the most I'd ever do is take a barter or maybe a small cash payment, but never an, for an ongoing arrangement. If a buddy helps me move a couple of pieces of furniture around, I might uh, run him a game in his favorite setting as a thanks. If someone asked me to run a game for the kid's birthday and offer me a bottle of whiskey or a 12-pack and ice beer, sure. I'm lucky enough to have a good job where I don't need to, to count on game sales or jamming for money, but I think it would suck the fun of the hobby real quick if I attached money to it. If it ever took money to get me to the table, that's a sign that I shouldn't be playing the game with that group for more than a birthday party. A couple of good thought-provoking episodes. Thanks for the signal boost on the bus to heck. Could be uh, Should be putting up on itch.io soon, Jim. Cool, man. That'll be sweet. Good stuff, too, Jim. Jim's a smart guy. Hey, so, Jim, when I start charging
0: to run games, I'll give you a discount. How about that?
1: Yeah. It's how, about, how about that? 110% discount. Sean will actually pay you to show up at his game. <laughs> That's your... Yeah, what if
0: we pay you, Jim? What if we say, hey, we're going to pay you to run a game. Cypher system, buddy, what do you think? He'll say, no, no, I don't want to do that. I'll do it maybe for, like, some beer. I'll go, no, no. We're going to pay you $500, Jim, for an hour.
1: I don't want to know where the hell you're getting the $500 from. You holding out on me, Sean? <laughs> I think though um Jim some of the points you made there are solid. I like those four pieces, plot setting materials and system. That's a really good concise way to think about it. And the experience, the exposure, um the mastery you have over setting or systems whatever can crush some of that stuff down. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I like how you I like how you talked about that stuff there. That was really that was really solid. Yeah, where you where you're going to cut the corners versus where you can just kind of roll with it. Very cool. Thanks, man. All right. Sh- over to you, Sean. All right, so Aaron submits his 12-point
0: plan for improv GMing.
1: 12-point plan? Are these brief? Buckle up, baby. Oh, my good Strap Lord.
0: yourself in. Whew.
1: Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. All right,
0: here we go. Dear Sean and Brett, my name is Aaron, and I'm a big fan of the show. I've listened to most of it, although I haven't written in before because I'm only 22 should leave the age out of there. Yeah. And, like, don't worry about that. No, yeah. don't worry about that. We'll nix that out of there. And greatly lack the experience required to comment on the same level as the regulars who usually write in. Uh they've get in uh they get in some great
1: comments. So Aaron, just before Sean goes any farther, Aaron, dude, you have uh, it that doesn't matter. It, honestly, neither Sean nor I, nor ninety nine point nine nine percent of any of our listeners give a fuck, quite frankly.
0: 1868 they're either good or shitty
1: yeah it doesn't matter man doesn't
0: the, the cool thing matter. the cool
1: thing for us is that you're part of the community it's really great yes you're involved enough to write to us you're listening that's really cool on that piece and you're gaming you're actively gaming that's really really cool Indeed. and um what i i'll tell you the other thing you find sometimes is you get you get some people then they start playing you're like oh my gosh this person She's amazing. They're amazing. They're just kicking total ass. Wow, they're such a good player, such a good game master. How long have you been doing it? Sometimes you find out this person's just a frickin' prodigy, practically. They're just like, it doesn't matter. So the, what we, when we like to talk about experience, it comes down to crazy ass stories, shit we've run into, mistakes we've made, <laughs> right? That's, experience is what you get just after you needed it. Um, so don't worry. Just flat out, don't worry about that. Don't ever, this go, any gamer out there, GM, player, do not think less of yourself as a gamer because you're not, quote-unquote, experienced enough. You're playing, yeah. you're involved in the hobby, you have everything you need. Too con- you have everything you need to comment on our stuff.
0: I was, I've said it, and I will say it again. I have sat in as a player for game masters that have been GMing since the, se- since the 70s.
1: Since the beginning of the hobby. Beginning Literally. of the
0: hobby, they are
1: founders of the hobby. Yes. And they suck. Oh, they are abysmal. <laughs> I was with you with one of them.
0: Was, so,
1: was the, well, the worst game mastering experience I've ever had. Just terrible. Nice person
0: at the time. Great. Definitely Great. That cool. That does not reflect upon nope, not whether reflect I like them as a person nope, or not. It was but,
1: not about that. It was different. You know, God, it was not a fun game. Just, all right. right. Anyway, that's enough of that crap. So, Aaron, you're cool cool with us, dude. Keep going, Sean.
0: However, I think you finally picked a topic that is in my wheelhouse. Sweet. Without further ado, here is my 12 step program to become a better improv game master. The first step is admitting you have a problem.
1: Hey, that's good.
0: I have a problem. All right. Uh, When I first got into RPGs, I really struggled to find a consistent group. After a few very clickish groups turned me down to play with them regularly, I turned to the task of forming my own group. This is, of course, uh, meant I was almost always convincing people to try the game out for the first time. Yeah, man, that's uh, being a good rep, good, good rep of the the hobby, trying to loop people in. Here's how it pretty much always went down: Do you play D&D? No. Well, it's actually tons of fun. Want to try it out? Sure at which point they expected me to teach them to play and get it all going right then and there. In the middle of lunch period, or on the bus ride to a choir festival, or after most kids had gone home after a party, or after we just finished a group project for homework. You must understand that improv GMing is a style of play that is not necessarily for most people. But for me, it was a necessity in order to get my fix. It's not your style, or you just don't like it, then don't worry about
1: it. I'll tell you, right there, that experience of forming your own group and doing everything right there, Aaron, you, just to hearken back to what you said at the beginning, that's an experience not everybody has, quite frankly. Being able to go out and cold discuss with people, hey, do you play? Do you want to try it right now? Sure, let's go. That is, that's not easy. That, is, that shit ain't easy. So He should do Amway. Fuck, man, kudos to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm terrified if Aaron actually ever calls me and says, "Hey, I got a deal. I'm gonna buy swampland in Arizona." It's gonna. That's what's gonna happen. Anyway, carry on. Do I
0: become independently wealthy. <laughs> got like five minutes. Let me show you something.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like I said, I'm gonna buy. I'm to buy a bridge in Brooklyn. I got swampland in Arizona and some lakefront property. Uh, you know. Oh my God. Carry on.
0: Number two, understand that improv jamming is a skill that gets stronger with consistent practice. You either do it a lot and get good at it slowly or else you'll only ever be okay at it or worse. Don't hold yourself to a high standard right away. Plan to improv over time and remember that as long as you're not regressing, you are moving in the right direction. Solid point. Solid point. Number three, Brett made a good point. What? No. Ah, It's it's from writing. Carry on. All right.
1: Fair. I mean, Uh,
0: every once in a while.
1: They'll read the next bit. Although it took him 20 minutes to say it. There <laughs> we go. Let's see. That's the usual. That's the usual. Yes.
0: That improv jamming is still still requires preparation. It just looks different. For me, since I lacked consistent play group and I didn't have a lot of downtime outside of school, homework, music pras- practice, etc. improv prep got done in the five to 20 minutes I had in between all the other things I did during the day. Uh, the last nice... Nine steps describe how to prepare. Generally, a few hours a week is plenty. Nice. Four, system mastery. Improv GMing improves with system mastery. For example, I once tried to improv a game of Traveler after reading the rulebook once because it felt straightforward and I was confident in my improv skills. Turns out my ability to teach a system to other players was too weak to keep the game flow moving. After about two hours, when it was finally coming together, two players quit. End of campaign. Know the rules enough to teach them quickly. Other than that... Item and monster stats, or at least page numbers, are your bread and butter from here on out. Review them regularly. Smart. Yeah. Five, your back pocket is uh, full of fun NPCs, locations, homebrew monsters. Have a handful of basic NPCs and locations. They mainly just need a name and physical description. That you can just drop on the table. They don't need a full backstory or stats off the bat. You can make those up in five minutes from now. You just need to avoid spending those five minutes trying to come up with Oof, Oofbert Korgixson, a burly human in partial mechanic futuristic plate armor with the thick sideburns and a shiny bald head, comes out of the kitchen and warmly introduces himself to you as the innkeeper asking how long you'll be staying. See what I did there? I just made that up.
1: Nice. Disc. That's awesome. I like it.
0: Unbelievable, man. I
1: love it. <laughs> I do. I seriously do. That's good.
0: Homebrew monsters do need stats, but they don't need specific story purpose. They could just be something you thought was cool while doodling in junior high. If your players complain about your NPCs, kindly invite them to DM the next session and show you how it's done.
1: <laughs> I like that. I think I'm gonna probably <laughs> last do bit that. Is fucking I'm gonna do gold. that next weekend. <laughs> last bit is fucking gold, man. Keep going.
0: All right, number six. Your back pocket is full of quests. You can come up with simple quests, long, short, easy, hard, horror, hack and slash, heist, 007, whatever, to drop anywhere, anytime. They can be loose in the details. They only really need to have four parts. An introduction, the most flexible part, a main goal, possibly a secret or surprise, a main obstacle or slash opposition, and a reward. Optionally, if you can plan a big twist. For example, I planned a quest that's part of a campaign where the dead fiancé of a character comes back as a famed assassin seeking revenge. We never got that far, but I later played a 5e one-shot set in the Roaring Twenties. Instead of Sword and Sorcery, it was Magic and Mobsters. Same player showed up with the same character, so I just filled time by bringing that NPC and quest back as the shorter side gig while they were robbing a casino in Paris. 7. Your back pocket is actually a notebook. In the 5-20 to 20 minutes waiting to see the dentist, come up with an NPC or a quest and jot it down in your neat and well-organized notebook. While reviewing the I section of the Monster uh, uh, monster Manual, you get an idea for a funny side quest to prank your players. Jot it down so you don't forget it. Reviewing this notebook occasionally is 100% necessary, but it can also be fun just flipping to random page mid-game. Your quests and NPCs are like Legos for quickly building simple campaigns or just quickly kicking off a new campaign. They all could be related, but none of them necessarily need to be. Remember, you're the GM. If you say it exists or happens, then it does. But if you don't write it down, then you will forget it and it never will exist. Number eight, all aboard the Improv Express. New players usually need a little railroading to understand the game and what it can be. Some experienced players just like these uh, like being railroaded. First five to ten minutes of game claim are your opportunity to gauge how much these players want to contribute to the story and how much they expect you to contribute. Generally, just keep the details in your notebook loose and or optional. This is where improv GMing becomes a skill separately from being a style. It takes a lot of practice to balance, not railroading your players straight to Hogwarts, but still finding a clever way to introduce Snape and Dumbledore as mentor characters. But still finding a clever way to introduce... Oh, you mentioned that. (laughs) If things don't work out, don't worry about it. The only end goal here is that players have fun and want to play again. Not that Harry and Voldemort play out the cool laser duel scene at the end of the series that you envision. Step eight, basically, is to not let a GM power go to your head. Listen to your, pl- listen to the players and practice subtle, balanced railroading, which you will get better at over time. All right. You
1: need, you need a <sighs> drink? That's good stuff, though.
0: <sighs> Number nine. Descriptions on demand. You have your Legos to build one shot or campaign straight out of your back pocket, but those Legos are all just shapes and in the moment you need to give the world color and make it immersive, especially when you describe how things happen or what an action looks like. This is where practice really comes in. You can literally practice giving imp- improvised descriptions. You have five minutes sitting in the car wash or waiting in line at the grocery store. In your head. Try to remember things from your notebook and try to find as many different ways to describe and detail it practice being concise. Try changing the details, changing the setting, changing the genre and see how you describe it. Then practice adding extraneous details. Number ten, you can also practice NPCs, location, monsters and quests on the fly. Although I do not do this a lot, it is worth mentioning and I should probably try it more. Number eleven. Other kinds of improv help, as well as brain teasers like word puzzles and riddles. Keep things loose in your practice and your games. Look for inspiration everywhere. Practice finding it anywhere. Improv comedy. Improv guitar solos. Improv freehanding drawing. Emulate the professionals you like. Consider why you don't like other professionals. Expand your horizons. Part of becoming an improv GM is becoming more of a creator instead of just a greedy consumer. A really quick, spontaneous creator. It's a muscle that you must train with love and patience and, of course, creativity. Number 12, practice, practice, practice. The best practice is just diving right in and jamming one-shot. Asking for player feedback after a session is also highly, highly recommended. However, just practicing in your bedroom for a few minutes before going to bed or starting your homework is still part of the process, too. Just remember to be consistent and use a timer so you don't lose track of time. This step is very important because I've experienced the frustration of not practicing and then in the moment falling on my face trying to describe the inside of a tavern just because I let myself get rusty. Just keep practicing and you will do just fine. I hope this was not too long and I hope it made sense. Thanks for the great content and I wish you both good health for the coming holidays. Sincerely, Aaron. If you want to check out Aaron on Twitter, his handle is
1: at plan. Damn, dude. That was... Is- I should have you write our show notes. <laughs> that was freaking good. That was good. One thing I want to throw in here when you talk about kinds of help, um, Matt Colville said this, we've said this type of thing as well. I'll try to quote Matt when he says, take the things you like and put them in your... So if you like I do that and my player's is a bitch. When you, if you do it like for the improv stuff, like, oh, I like this. We've talked about this. You're like using other sources of inspiration. You know, what does the end look like? Sometimes you can do the shorthand, the shortcut description. Oh, it's like the end from the Prancing Pony in that Lord of the Rings movie. It's like this. It's like that. You can pull that stuff out. Take the shit you like and use it to help you describe things and build your skill set like that. That's really smart. Aaron, dude, that was awesome. Thank you very much. That was very well thought out and uh, impressive. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thanks for writing it, man. And don't
1: think twice about it next time. Never, man. Always. All right. Treated the main topic. Well, I got, we only got one more. Oh, that's true. Carl Davis emailed us about trust, so we got to do this one. So, Carl, guys, without the commute, I've been running behind the episodes and finally came up to your discussion on trust. I actually just published a short video on my Tabletop Tango YouTube channel, tabletoptango.com, that digs into trust. My focus is on how GMs can earn and keep a player's trust. I'll summarize some of the concepts I dig into below. First, strictly follow the agreements in session zero, such as lines, veils, tone of the game, how rulings are, lan- are handled. Second, do not take away player agency. It's not simply avoiding railroading, but avoiding informing players how the characters react and making decisions for the players. I really think that's a, I'm going to do a quick aside, Sean. That, what is player agency? I think in that little snippet there, Carl's got some real diamonds here, right? It's not just about railroading, but informing the players, this is how you feel, this is how your character reacts, and this is what you decide to do. Making Those decisions, be they the character's emotional state or whatever it is you can influence, right? But controlling it, that I think is where the agency really, really matters. So good stuff there. Anyway, he continues. Third, you must be fair, consistent, and avoid favorites in how you run the game. Well, unconscious biases that may favor your your best friend at the table. We as GMs need to recognize our own inconsistencies and strive to minimize them. I usually beat the crap out of my best friends at the table. Well of the good reasons to have my friends there. Not not like in person, but I like in their characters. Just, just torture the hell out of them. It's fun. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, the video has a few more ideas, but these are a few of the big ones. As we know, trust is hard to get and easy to lose, so I make sure I follow these concepts to keep my players engaged, having fun, and trusting I have the best game plan for everyone. Thanks again for the great show. Carl Davis, Savage Worlds GM. Carl, good stuff, man. Thank you. And yeah, that's TabletopTango.com for folks who are interested in checking that out. So very cool. I like that all right thanks carl yeah now you ready now i'm ready now we right. do. i don't want to short change carl us just rude dude. i know
0: i apologize i didn't i thought we still had like three or four left so that's
1: nah, just the one we're good yeah let's right. jump
0: me topic
1: you ready am I right. ready am i ready so in our look at this face, man, <laughs> look at that face, looks ready. That does look ready. Oh. So in RPGs, we often uh, tout the fact and talk about the fact, oh, there's no winners, losers in an RPG. Well, we'll say this, right? But is that really true sometimes? How do we how, there's a haven't you ever felt like you lost? I feel like I'm losing in one game of mine, yes. <laughs> so let me, I'm gonna start off, with, let's just talk about this because it's one of those things that. Um, we've talked about inclusion and other things in games where, where we will say, as a general statement, everybody's always welcome in a blah, 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 only to find out that, of course, there's problems sometimes. And these are things we have to deal with. <laughs> and when we tell someone there's no winners and losers, as an inroad, especially to the new players. So go back to to Aaron trying to get new guys to come in and new new folks to come and play. He goes, hey, you want to try this? And she's like, yeah, I want to give this a shot. You want to try it? Yeah, he's in. Yeah, they're in. So they all sit down to play, and there's a TPK. You're like, oh, I thought you couldn't lose this game, right? Because death sure does feel like a loss. Or, what do you mean the bad guy got away? That feels like you know, so we'll get into it here. So, but a gut check question for you, Sean Have you ever felt like you've lost in an RPG as a player? I'm gonna ask you as a player, you felt like you lost. I
0: mean, it'd be, I, I think I'd be in denial if I said, uh, do you have no. an example
1: of a time oh, when shit. I say that we're like, oh my god.
0: I, uh, I don't, I mean, if a character dies probably. And and I, let me rephrase that. It's a character that I have been fully invested in and had been a long time. I think back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, when it took, you know, two years to get to like fifth level or whatever.
1: And when you, were you went counting through experience points. Yeah. Dude, yeah. grinding
0: man, doing ADD modules, starting out at freaking Bone Hill, and then like moving up and through Damn. and over, you know. And uh, all right, finally we're like, okay, running a module five through seven. We all are average six. Great, get through it. Yes, survived another one. You know, now I'm sixth level man. And you're starting to like chew on my uh, chewing on my nails, waiting for the big hammer to drop. And at that point. You know, if my character died at 7th or 8th in AD&D, I'd be you know, when I was 14 or whatever, I'd be like, oh, man.
1: Oh, I just got that wizard. I mean, you fi- could the hear... wizard could finally
0: cast Fireball. Son of a bitch. I think when, when, the, when the hammer drops back then,
1: I mean, it's the, a room sound- became, yeah.
0: the room became quiet. Yeah. Like, holy shit.
1: Oh, you're dead. You're dead. Wow.
0: Oh. So, Yeah.
1: Hey, can we raise him out of that spell? We're in the yeah. middle of fucking nowhere. We're on the Isle of Dread. Yeah, can we? What are we what gonna I, do? What are we gonna do? So I
0: got. So do you have all your stuff on you? <laughs> I mean, you what do you have on you? Yeah, but <laughs>
1: yeah. And then the players become complete goddamn vultures, and they just ransack I mean, your corpse. You still got that rod, right? Like we could really probably use that. Now. use that. And I take your rings off your. Co- My fingers are stiff, not too bad. Break your fingers. I cut the hands. Feeling off.
0: like complete dog shit, <laughs> yeah. and you're like. Character your players
1: and your buddies are like trying Try to, to get, loot your get, get boot, me character, character your sheet. Boots. I want to see what it is. Yeah. I can say I've definitely felt like I lost one of them. My buddy Nick ran a game not that long ago, a DD game. He had uh, made a campaign and we missed some key clues and uh, the world ended. <laughs> we completely screwed up and uh, we got played by the bad guy who we didn't know was the bad guy. We got played. Went, uh, huh. No one died. No one died it's over. God damn it. TPK is when I've been part of a TPK, you know, type of thing. Um, the, but the reason I bring up the the Nick game is because in a Call of Cthulhu game, if we failed, and the world goes pear-shaped, really uh, comes up, Cthulhu rises, the world is like, ah, it's Cthulhu. These type of things happen. But man, I'll tell you, some of it, uh, the type of game. So let's talk about this. So, you know, what causes that we lost feeling? The TPK is a classic one, and I think the TPK is very much dependent on the genre, the setting, the game system, all that stuff wrapped in. Like again, like I say, for me anyway, Call of Cthulhu. A number of other folks I know. You ends in madness or death. Oh my God, we all went crazy, shot each other. Oh, it's a great time. Go to a convention game, play Call of Cthulhu. Everyone went crazy and died. huh? neat. Okay, that happens, it's called Cthulhu. Hey, we went crazy, but we stopped the monster. Yeah, but you're all crazy and dead, right? Yes, but we did stop the monster. Eh, good for you. But I think a TPK in D&D, Star Wars, um, you know, a superhero game, sometimes TPKs are part of it. Sometimes they're horribly unexpected and uh, they can really throw you. Does that, you agree with me there?
0: Yeah, I can really so, – <laughs> I know Hobbs is in the chat right now, and he's just waiting for me to bring up the TPK that occurred on Sunday.
1: Uh, Did you feel like you lost?
0: Damn it. You know, I think so because you're we trying to get, like, the campaign underway and all three – I mean, all three of us bit the dust. I think, I think maybe getting one or two, you know, ah, oh, shit. But one thing that I think uh, specifically to a TPK, maybe that one too – You know when you can't hit shit, like when your dice just see that you're rolling worth a crap.
1: Bad die rolls, and it's part
0: of the game, right? You gotta roll the dice to hit. You you know, GM just can't go, hey, you know what? This time, you know, you missed like five times in a row. This time you hit.
1: This does say game. What the hell? The G and RPG does stand for game, and game normally does have a winner or a loser, right? Um, Yeah. Anyway, but bad die rolls, you're dead on. I, I think it is a point of. Absolute frustration. I played D and D with Sean before. Hey Sean, can you roll above a ten? Fuck you, Brett. You know, it, <laughs> and I can't either. If I'm the game master, I roll pretty well, but if I'm a player, my die rolls tend to blow. Um, but regard, <laughs> excuse me. Regardless, I think uh, bad die rolls can th- can make you feel like you've lost your agency in a way, like you're losing. I can't fix this. There's nothing I can do. I mean, I could. I I as a player.
0: And and the ran other away, two guys blah, that were playing could have ran away. We could have ran away. Yep. We could have done this. But when the
1: dice are failing you, you feel like you're losing because right. you're like, I can't fix these dice. There's nothing I can do. I can't roll above a twelve tonight, and then need a thirteen yeah. to hit. There's nothing I can do. And that feeling of hopelessness that a die roll can can throw on you can definitely lead to a feeling of loss where you're losing. Yeah. Now here's one for you. And uh, Hobbs is out there, so we'll we'll ask the. Do you the? We never had a chance. The unfair encounter. That happened a lot to me when we were kids because the concept <laughs> of game balance was, you know, like They're all you'd be unfair. going along and you could run away, you could do that. That was always available. And I've talked about this before. We're like, hey, you know, play smart, blah, blah, blah. However, there were times back in the day when we were kids, we go through a dungeon, go through a 10 by 10 corridor, you go down the hallway, hang a right, open the door, and there's like five hydras in a room. It makes no sense or rhyme or reason, but there's five goddamn hydros in there you're like, we're first level. Uh, roll for initiative. Oh, hydras go first. Whack, 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 whack. Oh, you're all dead. Wait a minute now. Yeah. Time out. But aren't you that guy? Brad? No, I am not that guy. Oh, I thought not you were guy. like
0: screw balance, Oh, yeah. There's, you know, hey, so they wanna, should wanna, probably I, shut the door no, or I wanna, lock I, it.
1: I, I want to bring that back up on a different episode. But you know, <laughs> okay. depending on the, that, there are such things as the, you never had a chance. You can see those GM Fiat things where like, okay, Modius comes up and he uh, kicks your character in the balls and you die. What? <laughs> did you, you know, you
0: just, did you did you just say As Sodius goes off it kicks it you to the balls. balls and you die? Okay.
1: I mean, you there were um, there were times when I was a kid playing when stupid crap would happen. The game master would literally get angry at somebody and then suddenly the monster would hit for twa- quadruple damage. Like what? I'm the game master, I said "So, So there's or even the feeling take those crazy ass examples out. But if you really think...
0: That's what I'm going to do with Jeff.
1: Yeah. Just kick... <laughs> as, yeah, Asmodius you want to play Witch Hunter? As, yeah, you go ahead, buddy. As kicks you yeah, the balls. sure. <laughs> and you die. Yeah.
0: <laughs> your are second level? I'm going to have Count Strad. just freaking show up and put your Witch Hunter ass in check.
1: <laughs> so how about this one? This was, a, I think you were alluding to at the beginning, is uh, when the PCs are just getting interesting and then they die. You've had them for a long time. You finally built them up. Even in games that don't have levels, just points. Like if you're playing old school GURPS game or uh, basic role playing, you've spent just time with this character, getting to know them, understanding them. You played your dungeon rule character for how many sessions now? Wow, this this character is just awesome. The bonds and all the stuff has changed and flowed, and you've had this wonderful dynamic with everybody. You've got this kick-ass fate game going, and then something happens, and your character's gone. Like, right. damn, it can be. It can be hard. You can feel like you lost. And I think some of that comes down not just death, but there are other times when you can when your character's interesting and then sometimes the campaign ends because the end of the game is there and you're like, "Oh, I was just on a cusp of I never got to cast the spell. I never got a chance to do this thing. I finally got to 10th level and the game's over?" Oh. Okay, I guess. You know, you could feel a loss insofar as you didn't attain something. You weren't able to, you know, flex that muscle that you just developed, type of thing.
0: I, mean, I sometimes feel a loss when the dungeon master looks at me and goes,
1: "Loser." I, sometimes I, that I, that does it. Too. I stopped doing that to you because of all the tears. <laughs> so we don't do that anymore because Sean can't handle it. Help, oh, see,
0: Brett's changing up his style <laughs> a little he's, bit. He's, trying to get he's better. looking. Self- soft it, softening up a bit.
1: Softening. Up <laughs> right, a bit. exactly. I think there are certain games where it doesn't seem to bother people as bad. One-shot convention or convention games. People have a tendency to play the characters like you stole them, really just fucking drive it, you know? Especially in a, in a Call of Cthulhu uh, convention game type of thing. I see most people just, they go for the gusto, and they really don't seem to care. Um, people that turtle up in a convention game or a one-shot, everyone else is like, oh, you fucking play. We got four hours to play this game. For Christ's sake, get out, do something, you know? Um let me throw this one at you, Sean, because you run a lot of pre-published stuff. And this has been part of the reason this topic's here. It's on my mind because of Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. If you run a campaign that's not a pre-published set of adventures, like my Avalon game. I just can't. It. it was out of my head, whole cloth, did my thing, boom, boom, boom. But there was no sense of we only got halfway through the book. Mm. You know, oh, it was a really good run. Three characters died, but we never got to the end. You know, we we played you know, this adventure and we didn't get to the end. And some, you know, a pre-published module, like, hey, you played... Well, if they the-
0: weren't losers, they would have got to the end.
1: Oh, there we are. All right, <laughs> right let's kick them. <laughs> kick them on <all> in. That's <laughs> where Imodious, comes up, kicks you into the crotch, and then you die. Um, <laughs> but I think sometimes, if there, if it's a homemade homebrew campaign, when there's no definitive book sitting on the table, right, where where it's laid out there. And I know sometimes I remember feeling a sense of loss or hearing it from players when they're like, oh man, we never got to that end of the dungeon. Cause you could see the map. You could see it growing. And then you died. Like, Oh, we were so close. Right. So <laughs> what do you think? What does this make you think before we do the next bit?
0: Well, yeah. And, and I think, you know, part of me at times, if I, if I run, it, it's tricky with me because obviously I'm the big pre-published guy, but, and I'll, if I do a call for players, you know, say I wanted to get rhyme of the frost maiden going, and I put out an open call to players, or if I wanted to do it from my home group, when how that transpires is, for example, with the Jeff group, I put out options: Hey, we can play Delta Green, I could do Knights Black Agents, Dracula dossier, mm-hmm. or we could do D and D and Curse Strat, and they went all Curse So it was more of a hey, I am going to run a game, and this is so vote. So, keeping it under wraps, I could have simply said, "Hey, I'm going to run D and D. Probably Gothic Core. Not sure yet. Uh, are you guys in?"
1: Which sure. goes back to our trust episode,
0: right? And it could go to I could still do it. Like, hey, do you guys want to play like Delta Green agents, or or like like a modern or Knights of Black agents? Modern again, yeah, yeah. And it'll be Delta Green and Knights of Black agents. There are some similarities. Or do you just want to play D and D? And if they say, "Yeah, we just want to play D and D." Okay, great. No, I, you know I don't have to premise, uh, uh, set the premise that I'm going to run Curse of Strahd. So that's one thing I do. And then people are like, "Oh, we're going through Curse of Strahd," or "I want to go through Tomb of Annihilation." And then it's just okay. Then there's some expectations. So, yeah. Right? So let
1: me throw this at you. Do you ex- yeah. What happens when if something happens in Curse of Strahd?
0: I already killed one player character.
1: Were they allowed to make a new one?
0: Let me rephrase that. One player character did die. Were they allowed to make a new one?
1: They are allowed to make a new one. And is there any point within that campaign if too many die, the story's over, or you going to, or is it just a matter of playing Diablo and they're just going to grind through until like to the end? Doesn't matter how many times they die.
0: Good question. Not quite sure. Okay. Didn't set it in session zero along with like twenty other things that I should have. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, but. Even tomb of annihilation, man. I had six. I think I had seven players at one, like all together, seven players. One dropped off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Six players. When it first kicked off, I told everybody make two two tunes, and you start out with two tunes. Now, two of the players, I think, only started with one. One dropped by. Uh-huh. And then the other one came almost in the middle of the campaign, or kind of like a quarter or halfway in. So he wasn't like, "I start," and I f- went all the way through. Jeff had one Jeff had one guy, and Andy had one guy. They were the only two to start at the beginning and go through the entire thing.
1: I gotta say, be, I mean, out of
0: like 12, like so, probably 10, 11 characters.
1: This is quasi tangential here, but I'm when I run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden with my home group, I'm tempted to tell them, Look, if there is a certain point that you die or you fail or you can't figure out what's next and you don't get there, you don't get there. I'm not going to just play to the end. That's good. Not just, mm. just going to remake characters until you get there, which is the thing that annoys me on some level because I was. Let's go talk to you about this off the mics. I played uh, Diablo three, Xbox with my son AJ. I wanted to play it, so we're playing. <laughs> I and playing video games. Playing. We're playing. Can you we're, playing it? And we're playing. I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. After a while, he's like, what do you think? I said, it's kind of fun. I said, but it's not all that challenging. He goes, well, what do you mean? It's taking us a while. I said, we're going to win. I said, this <laughs> isn't on the you die the game is over mode. I said, there is that mode, I believe, but you're gonna win. It's just a matter of hours. It's just a fucking grind, dude. Brett's just Debbie Downer. And
0: he, hey Dan, want to play Diablo 3? <laughs> uh, sure But you know, it's just gonna well, like We're gonna play for like I, two hours He looked and at and, me you know. a little forlorn
1: And uh, I said, AJ, I'm still having fun I'm playing with you, we're having a good time together I said, but I'm telling you If that if, you're thi- if you are asking me If this is challenging, do you think we'll ever get to the end? I know we're gonna get to the end It's just a matter of time So I am seriously looking at Ryan with the Frostmaiden <laughs> Thinking somebody in the chat just said something funny
0: <laughs> they did. said. But Jerry said. But the gear. <laughs> with the gear? Like, <laughs> with with the gear? gear right? yeah. Get all the
1: gear. Yeah. Well, I'm seriously thinking rhyme with frostman. Like, look, if you don't make it, you don't make it. X number Like half of you die. The game's fucking over or something. I I don't know what I'm going to do with that yet. But so this kind of leads well, into. Oh, sorry, Cole. I was going to say that you could still
0: like I oh, Brett. You're you're in a unique. But let me. Hey, Brett. Let me give you some words of wisdom. Say- I haven't
1: run. A pre-published adventure or two. Honestly, I'm kind of. We've <laughs> talked about this. You and I running it together. I kind of want to play in the game you run, just so I can see how it's fucking done. I
0: think there's a. I mean, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can just say, "Hey, we're gonna run. I'm gonna run Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, and then, okay, blah. Or you can not tell them at all. You're in Forgotten Realms, and this is the deal. And you set the premise like, set, you know, okay, this is the deal. You gotta set characters. Okay, That's what I do my World of this. Darkness
1: game. Yeah, In and there. then
0: you're going to travel north or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. or you're already north, mm-hmm. and then you unravel some of the plot, and then they they succeed or they don't. The problem is you're going to take your platinum-level, kick-ass treasure chest of Beetle and Grim right well, all Crap. crap. Yeah,
1: yeah, at some point, they'll be like, oh, we never got to fight the thing. <laughs> look at the thing. It never showed up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're going to want to show off everything. You're like, look, I got a full- Frickin' frost maiden yeah, miniature life size. Yeah. You
1: know, whatever's <laughs> in it. I have no idea.
0: But I think it, 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 the the thing is with doing that, like even Rhyme of the Maiden*, I haven't read a ton of it yet, but even so with some other and I think it's more sandboxy as a matter of fact, you could kind of base stuff there in ten towns and then you kind of send them out on their stuff. So even if they die, there's a way to just kind of go, okay, well, you're in ten towns, you're another person
1: in 10 towns so it's i guess i just i want to avoid the oh billy's back no this is jilly okay jilly's here great oh jilly's dead now it's now it's davy okay here. oh davy's dead now it's mary can you
0: ever get really (sighs) away from that crap though if you're gonna run a longer term campaign and i say like, in the campaign
1: you end it you're done
0: yeah well yeah that's
1: the other option yeah to end it but then it's like
0: oh and waiting and then wait a year and
1: start it over it's goofy. I don't know. Like I said, it's in my head. I have no idea what I'm... <laughs> I don't know oh, if I'll do campaign's it. campaign's over. I don't Sean's know.
0: guy died. Miles will hang
1: it up. Yeah. That's why I'd have to be like a certain percentage. Like, three quarters of them die or something. I don't know. Yeah? Half? Like, hey, I mean, what's... There has to be at least one, one constant person going through this. Otherwise, no. I don't know. Something. feels like I need that. I... Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I Maybe don't. I don't. What are you going to do, Brad? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Your minds want to know. Let's go back.
1: Let's get back. Let's get back. <laughs> this kind of goes to the lost feeling. And the, the, reason I, the reason I bring up getting past the lost feeling here, Sean, is because especially when you play, if you play with kids or first-time players and their character dies or they don't win the big bad or they go there and... Oh, there's a switcheroo on treasure, or oh my gosh, we were betrayed. We didn't know we were betrayed. Um, new players, less uh, people who haven't played as much. Uh, sometimes the uh, the experience in that space can play like, oh, I didn't know that was possible. Oh crap. Oh, I forgot. Uh, yeah, trolls regenerate. God damn it. Oh, I forgot lightsabers cut through anything, uh, including my head. Ah, damn it. Um, and your character passes, or you you. You have this feeling like you didn't quite get somewhere. Whatever causes that sense of loss, I think it can it can lead to a downer, in a way. And uh, if they're dead, we can always say, "Hey, make a new PC and just pick up where you left off." I mean, that was one of the beauties of like first edition games or your OSR stuff is you have a character in like five minutes, you're done. Click, click. Well, roll, not only that, but usually you usually
0: aren't attached to one until you hit like third or fourth level. Yeah, like, I mean, I if you're mean, playing
1: I... DCC, man, that you can make a character like that and you're done. New character, yeah. roll them, go. You know, it's pretty easy. You could potentially start the campaign over in some way, rebuild, revisit something or other. Which fast is, forward the timeline. Fast forward the timeline whatever. like, "Oh, hey, look, you uh, this group of adventurers tried and failed. You're coming in 5 years after and it's gotten worse. Ratchet up the horror or ratchet up the bad, whatever that is." Um You can do the PCs aren't really dead, you can capture them, right? You could have it all be a dream depending what game you're running. Um, When I I talked about this ages back about a bait and switch game I ran where I started off running Delta Green then murdered everybody on purpose and then turned into a Wraith game. Characters, characters, characters. It worked out great. The, The group I was playing with really liked it and it's a very high trust game and it worked out really well but not everybody likes that stuff. Um, And sometimes it's like, look, it's just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, sometimes PC fails, they die, you don't get to end the campaign, and it's how it goes, suck it up, buttercup, move on. But I think, especially when we're talking about new players, and Aaron brings this to my mind from his comments above, when you talk about new players who've never done this before, at some point, um, they're not that they need to have a PC die or fail in some way, but it's going to happen. It's inevitable in some way that's going to happen unless there's always GM fiat and, you know, it's everything mystically always works out for the best for you. Something horrible is going to happen, i.e. the classic is your character dies. And sometimes people are really upset about that. Sometimes they take their books and they throw them in the snow. Sometimes, sometimes your uh, your I... your sometimes your younger son kills your older son's character right in front of him. When the older son, you character... know somebody that
0: threw their books out in the snow
1: too. I've, I've, I've heard I've heard about it. It's happened. I told you about AJ. I've told this story a ton. Right, poor Connor's character is covered in slime. Cl- climbing up a rope, and I will go, AJ, what do you do? You going to save him? He goes, he's not bringing that up here. Makes a slashing motion with his hand. I cut the rope. Bloop kills. Connor lost his shit. (laughs) Later on, AJ died after he got to a high level. And this is like, what was he, eight? Tears, just tons of tears. Like, oh my God, the game's over. I never want to play this again. It was tragic, right? They're both very angry and upset because a lot invested in these characters, you know. It's the type of game you play and so forth, but and death is just the most obvious way to lose. Lose, quote unquote, right? But I think helping, being cognizant of the fact that if you're on the... I feel like I lose or lost end of the spectrum. Sometimes depending who you are as a player. Uh, and if you know your players, they might be like, look, I'm going to be mad for a half hour. I'll come back. I'll make a new character. I'll be fine. And some people are going to be, some m-
0: people leave the freaking hobby.
1: Man. Yeah. Some people quit. They f- oh, fuck uh, this shit. Yeah. Which I'm going to play Xbox or yeah. Or whatever, I which I think is rather immature, but that's just me. Um, anyways everybody's going to react differently and i think it's worth thinking about what causes the we lost feeling or i lost sometimes a very personal not like we as a group just lost but i brett or i sean or i whomever my character just died i didn't get the thing i wanted i was only in this to save my dad turns out my dad was already dead thanks i was only here to save my dad from count dooku it turns out count dooku already killed my dad you fucker sean (laughs) Right, <laughs> you know, Some people get very, very irritable and very angry about this stuff because it was a the thing they built up and they wanted to do. And I don't think it means that they're always immature and that they're bad gamers or they don't get it. But there's a lot of emotion we can pack into this game,
0: oh, yeah, whatever you're yeah, yeah. playing. Yeah. And
1: I think we, we have to take that seriously because the feeling of loss or losing sucks. And not everybody, and we need to be honest with ourselves sometimes, we're not always the best losers. Sometimes we're not always the best winners. And sometimes we don't even know how to console each other when one of us feels like they just lost everything. And somebody goes, dude, just make another character. What's a big fucking deal? That could be the worst thing you could say to that person. You could <laughs> get a straight right hook. <laughs> you know, that could be a that could be a double tap. I mean, you you might not wake up for a while after that one. Um oh. So Sean, if somebody has that feeling that you've you've lost that RPG and feeling, um what do you do, What do you do? Do you help them at all or do you just throw an ice pack at him and say, hey, bet that burns, and just walk away. I
0: uh, I find a game in my library where the characters, the game doesn't facilitate characters dying. And I throw it at the player and go, here, play this.
1: Did you say you pansy oh, at the know. end of it, dude? just to really push on him? Really, <laughs> no. to be mean? No, I don't do that. I <laughs> mean. That would be, that. That would be
0: You could do that, though. I mean, there are other games that are like, hey, man, totally you don't are. have to play, like, hey, you're you're... Hey, but there's lots there's t- start of- out with 10 candles. Play 10 candles.
1: There's yeah, there, there are other
0: Hey, we're going to play 10 candles. What's this game about? I don't know. You light 10 candles and at, by the end all the candles are going to go out and everybody's going to be dead. That's that's the game. But it's the story yes.
1: that takes place. So I think, in, in that I think the other piece. I love that you brought this up because it, it opens up, up an idea here that if the loss you're feeling, like, I lost this game, oh my god, I'm just, we lost, this isn't working. It could well be the game doesn't do something that you want it to do. There might be certain types of loss, or like, hey, I failed, and that's okay. I don't mind it when it happens to Call of Cthulhu, I hate it in DD. Right. I don't play d I like playing Dungeon World instead, because I like the other type of narrative control. I like this fate thing better, I like, you know, this other PBTA game, I, I'm making up shit you know, I like this system, that system, whatever it is, there's lots of good reasons that people steer away from certain types of, you know, you know, save or die mechanics. They steer away from easy death. They, I want a, you know, big four color superhero game where death doesn't really happen. You know, those games can be tons of fun. There's different loss involved there because those types of stories are around lost love perhaps, or, um, loss of family members, other people die around you, and you've got to deal with the grief, or you have to um, deal with personal turmoil, monster hearts type of stuff. There's, uh, I've not played, but from talking to Kevin and and uh, other other folks who've played a lot, you know, there's different loss and pushes and pulls and things that happen. And people are totally cool with that, and they love that. They just don't like their characters dying. I know other people that are like, murder my character all day. I don't want to deal with grief. I would much rather just remake a character and play a, dare I say, classic fantasy adventure game because I don't want to deal with the other stuff. That's not fun for me. I don't enjoy that sense. I don't enjoy the, the uh, ennui that comes from this game. I don't enjoy the, you know, nihilistic view of Lovecraft. It's just not my gig. And I think that's part of, we've been kind of on a theme here lately about introspection, I guess. And I, I love the fact that you brought that up, Sean, because I think that's important. There's other stuff out there and it may well be that this game, for whatever sense of loss or losing you have, isn't, if it hits you hard enough, might, you don't have to leave the hobby. You just may have to find another game.
0: Well, and it could be, you know, I know we talk about some of this stuff and it all comes down to like session zero and elaborating, but it could just come down to, okay, here's the deal. We're going to play 5e. Do, I mean, how often have you go, to a Dungeons and Dragons 5e game and said, are you guys open to having your
1: player characters die? I normally play with people I know. Right. So and they'll say, yeah, me. we don't care, right? You like your group. Or convention I, or convention game. I've I've told people, like, look, you could die. Right. But if you do it as a as a
0: as a it's I you're I agree. It's different when you're the dynamic's different. Like yeah, I yeah. play with these guys all the time. But I'm actually starting to think that might be a question I need to ask with guy like, Jeff, I've known for 40 years. Yeah. I may actually have to put that out there and go, look, are you okay with me axing your dude? I, bet, I think- Because if you're not, that's okay. But let's I need, just settle that now and I will handle it a different way,
1: right? I And I get to say that, oh, I know this. My these are my friends. I know this. And I say that like I just glean this out of the ether like, "Ooh, I determined this because of some weird vision." No, I fuck. we've talked about this for over 20 years together. Nah, I haven't talked
0: about it in a long. I haven't posed that exact question like, "Hey, here's the deal. We're gonna do Curse of Strahd. You're you right up a tune. Are you all right with them dying?" Like just outright. Like if you want to live forever, that's cool. I will make things more challenging and, in other and ways. things differently in other ways. I, I got you know lingering injuries as a mod rule. Like I'm putting that in there because maybe instead of like you die, you don't have a left arm
1: anymore. Yeah, but you're not dead. But so. you're not
0: dead. But to some people,
1: that's a big damn deal. They'd rather. They be might dead. as well be dead. Yeah, they'd rather quit. Yeah, they'd rather have a new character. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I <know>. I, <clears throat> but I, 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 I seriously I was though, Jeff
0: I've... during Tomb of Annihilation, man. <laughs> just angry <I> got it. <laughs> i'm cursed I motherfucker my hit points don't go up my constitution's dropping i might as well be dead well then mosey off into the sunset man i don't even got time for so, this shit
1: it, it, one of the reasons that we tried i tried to talk about this in a trust episode when we chatted about it but i've i've had this conversation with lenny's nick blah, blah 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 we talk about this crap sure. all the time i don't like this game what don't you like we ask this question I like this. I like it when life is, boy, I, l- I want to play a game where life is cheap. You know what you guys up for? it? Yeah. And that's another piece is sometimes you may come at this game and say, oh, I've never played Low Fantasy before. It sounds interesting. Ooh, life is cheap. It might be hard to live. I could die at any moment in this basic, uh, basic game or this other, you know, very, you know, oh, my God, deadly, deadly, deadly. Huh. Let's see how that goes. You may try it and find out you don't like vanilla, right? You could try it bite into that, have your character die and go, that's fucking sucked. I did not enjoy this. Even though I signed up for it, it turns out I'm not a big fan. And that's okay. You could say, huh, well, that's part of the game. Yeah, I know, I, I know, I know, I agree. And part of this is for me, the first time I tried Call of Cthulhu, I avoided it for years because I was like, oh, you go insane and die. I'm like, how fucking fun is that? That sounds stupid as hell to me. And I walked away from it. Finally, someone convinced me like, no, dude, you would totally like this. So I tried it and went, oh wow, this is really fun. But I made a conscious decision, I'm going to try it and see if I actually like it, right? There's a couple of games I've read over the years, like I don't even wanna try this one because I got other games I know I like, this one just doesn't sing to me, and move it on, move it on. But I think it, it is possible that you could sign up for a game, a style of game, a type of loss you could feel, be it, um, you know, Death, grief, whatever, that type of loss, all the way to player character death, you might find out you hate that stuff. Whatever that is. You could play one of the best, you know, Monster Hearts games out there. Kevin, Kevthulu runs a great Monster Hearts game. And you could play with him and be done with it and go, I'm glad I did it, but I never want to do it again. Well, didn't you have fun? Kinda. It was just really rough. I just, I, that emotional, it just was really hard. I don't like that. And Kevin's not going to be like, oh, you suck as a player, walk away. I mean, that's not, he's one of those guys, okay, you know, hey, I, well, I hope you're all right, you know, blah, 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 and then move on. It's kind of, um, so anyway, the to wrap this up, I think there's lots of different ways that you can lose or feel like you've lost in a, in an RPG, and sometimes it's finding out the type of loss that, you, that you're willing to tolerate that you actually find enjoyable In some way. Sometimes it's certain types of loss with certain types of genre mixed with a certain type of this and just the right amount of scotch is great. Um, And there's some things people might be like, look, I can't fucking stand it. I don't want to ever lose my character. Torture him, kill his wife, murder his mom, kill his Aunt May, but Spider Man can't die. All right. Give him his girlfriend, take her away. Give him another girlfriend, take that one away, you know, but Spider Man can't die. All right, all right, all right. Spider Man won't die. So, anyway, Sean, anything you want to add at the tail end here? I totally rambled a lot there. I apologize. No, no, you good with that? <laughs> I think I'm good with it. Yeah. All right. All <laughs> right, a... we're a little long, but not too bad. Let's All do the right. uh, let's do the top die roll here. Die roll. All right, die roll two four miscellaneous points game and
0: geekery this week. Uh, table top tango mention mm-hmm. that. So that that'll be in the show notes. Um. Uh, The next one, Bundle of Holding, featuring the Dracula dossier. So if you haven't bought it and you're interested in Night's Black Agents or Gumshoe or kicking vampires' asses all over the place in the modern era, it doesn't even have to be modern. There's different timelines that this campaign can take place. Uh, You can get it for a really good price right now on Bundle of Holding. So, ten pro- percent of the proceeds goes to the Cochrane Reports, which does like COVID reporting. Cool. Um, so check that out. It's it's just a great campaign, well written, uh, high dollar value publishing quality.
1: On a personal note, it doesn't. It's not overly interesting to me. It's like, oh, I have to run that. I'm interested right. in. I may actually buy it just because I want to read it. It's one of those things that I've I've heard people who've read it are like oh my god this is wonderful. Are you ever gonna run it? No, I just I got so many ideas from it. Oh my god, you know that that type of source even could be really cool. Yeah, so
0: for those that because we can't assume that everybody knows what the Dracula dossier oh, is. Oh, it's Nice
1: Black Age and Dracula dossier. It's a campaign. Yes, with Dracula, actual Dracula, Bram Stoker, the book. Bram Stoker
0: wrote Dracula as a synopsis of a of
1: a espionage kind of plot yeah ken i did a great job on it right with the crew Green, and
0: you and so. literally i think in there you i have it in the bookshelf you
1: get a copy
0: of dracula and it's marked up yeah, it's as all if annotated. somebody's writing notes yep. and yeah all annotated and crossed out and footnotes and all kinds of stuff in there
1: yeah it's supposed to so, just like you said high dollar value very cool yeah it's pretty cool
0: uh last one worlds without number so if you're a stars without number person then you probably know about worlds without number. Uh, that Kickstarter is happening now. I wasn't aware. came across the radar. Uh, that has 22 days to go as of this recording, not when this drops or when you listen to it. So 22 days from October 12th. From a different perspective,
1: I, I know a little bit about stars, but this one, per the Kickstarter page, it's built from the ground up to provide gritty, hard-edged adventure in the fathomless future of later Earth, a fantastic realm of timeless sorcery, savage foes, and barbaric splendor. This reminds me a lot of Jack Vance, Dying Earth. When I read that, when I did a quick pass over here, it reminds me a little bit of that. But um, I don't know if that was an influence, but kind of cool. Neat. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, those are just the three that I had out there for this week.
1: We're uh, good? Oh, what
0: do we time on next week?
1: We're- Curses and Illusions. Curses and Illusions. Yep, one of our listeners asked about it, so there it is. There we go. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So I have to read up on that, buddy. (laughs) I guess so. All right.
0: Well, this is another episode of Gaming in BS. If you... uh, Thanks for joining everybody in the chat room on Twitch Live. We record here on Monday nights, 8 a.m. 8 a.m. 8 p.m. Central Time. uh, U.S., and then if you see this on YouTube, check check, uh, like and subscribe. Find us at your favorite podcatcher of choice for the audio version of this. Otherwise, I'm Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.
0: This episode of Gaming and BS produced by the following BSers. Craig Shipman, AWOL Trooper. Craig Shipman? AWOL Trooper, Quigley Malcolm, Larry Howis, Obscurus Dominus, Isaiah Aries Christian, The Duke in Purple, Ed Nyes, Jay Plata, Adam Grochon, Phil McClory, Dollar Adventure Frameworks, Jason Weeb, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Curtis Hinson, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Ghost GM, Mark Sohm, Who's Carl, Harold Tavola, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Byshynski, Harrigan, David F. Baylog, Rich Wishan, Brian Rumble, Jeff Goad, Aaron Relia, Niall Diamond, Corey Gonzalez, John Kayward, Jeff Cypher, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Perry Basor, Laramie Wall, Brian Kurtz, Robert Nemeth, George Sedgwick, Eric Salzwiedel, Angus, Corey Welch, Josh Wallace, Howard Bishop, Craig, Skye, Chad Gleman, Thomas Hook, Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Curtis Takahashi, Old Role Roleplaying, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ray Otis, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Roger Braslett, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValley, Brett Pazinski, Pure Mongrove, Mirko Froelich, Mark Disaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Andy Hall, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Old School DM, Joe Swick, Graham Miner, and Corey Wynn. Hey, if you've liked what you've heard in this episode, do us a favor tell one of your players in your game group to give us a listen. We'll promise to keep you anonymous. Thanks, BS, This This has been a Litterbox Studio Production. Production.